have you ever gotten into your car, you turn it on, put it in drive or in reverse, whichever way you get out, and you stepped on the gas pedal and realized, oh wait, it's not really going, it's going a little bit, but not very well. And so you assess the situation and realize that, oh, I have the parking brake on. And so you can't really go very well. Imagine that you have this parking brake on and now you have to go thousands of miles in your car. Would that be enjoyable? <laughs> Not really. I know I would hate it, it'd be very frustrating. I've gotten into my car before and realized that the parking brake is on. Not because I put it on, but because somebody else in my family put it on. And that was very frustrating, just trying to figure out what was going on, let alone going for a long distance with the parking brake on. Well, having the parking brake on and trying to go for a long distance is like letting fear being the thing that determines where we go in life instead of God. I'm going to say it again. Having the parking brake on in your car and trying to go for a long distance is like letting fear determine where you go in life instead of God being the one who says this is the way you should go. When I look through my life, I realize that there have been many times when I did that. When I let fear be the determining factor and not God. Well, interestingly, there is a story in the Bible found in Exodus chapter 3, and so I want to invite you to turn there with me, which kind of talks about this issue of our fears taking over. And it's a conversation between God and Moses. And I believe that right now, especially on graduation weekend, this is the perfect time to talk about this subject because you as graduates can allow the fears to stop you, just like the parking brake just keeps you either paralyzed or you just can't move very well. The same way fears can do that to us. And in the end, we end up going somewhere completely different than where God wanted us to go. In this passage, God drops a bomb on Moses because he's just told, I have chosen you to be the deliverer of the Israelites. Moses was walking, just doing the things that he does, taking care of his sheep, and suddenly he sees a bush in front of him that is burning, but it's not burning up. So what is Moses going to do? Well, he's curious. He wants to know what is going on. As he moves closer, he hears a voice and God speaks to him and he tells him, I have heard the cries of the people of the Israelites and I've seen their oppression. And so now I'm going to do something about it. And then he ends in, in verse 10 where he says, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. I imagine that at that moment, Moses's heart probably skipped a little. And then it probably started beating faster and faster and faster as he realized what God was saying. Uh, what do you mean, God? I am supposed to be the next leader? And so now Moses launches into five objections. The first one comes right away. He says, 
who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God, I am a nobody. I can't do this. And humanly speaking, he's right. It doesn't really make sense for Moses to be doing this. He's just a shepherd. For the last 40 years, that is the only thing that he has done and that he knows. I mean, yes, it's true that years before that, 40 years before that, he was most likely a general in the Egyptian army because he was trained to be the next pharaoh. But that was a long time ago. And now he is just a shepherd. Well, I understand where he's coming from. Because I remember thinking at points in my life, well, I'm just a woman. I can't be a pastor. And there were plenty of people who reassured me in that, and that I was right. And I heard over and over, whenever I mentioned something about ministry and about thinking about going into ministry, they would say, oh, why would you do that? That's not something that women do. You know, rethink that. And I would hear a lot about, well, women are just way too emotional. They can't be in leadership. I am just a woman. I can't do this. I am just a shepherd, God. I am a nobody. But God says in verse 12, I will certainly be with you. And I love this response of God's because he doesn't say, okay, well, no, you're not a nobody. He just says, what you need is to know that I am with you. That's what is important. But Moses continues and says his second objection. Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What is his name? What shall I say to them? This response or this objection shows that Moses is really worried about his lack of knowledge. He says, well, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm not smart enough to know how to handle all of this, God, that you want me to do. I don't even know what to say about you, let alone about everything else. And I've been there too, even ministry. I mean, even now, there are times when I'm sitting in a meeting and I'm thinking, what am I doing here? I don't have anything to contribute. These people are so much smarter than me. I don't even want to open up my mouth. I am just not smart enough. I don't know what to say. And so God says, all right, this is what you're going to say. He says, I am who I am. And I love this line. It's so rich because it can also be translated as I will be who I will be. And both of them just show this fullness of God. It shows who God is, and yet it shows how much I really don't know about God, how much more there is to God. It's so full of meaning. And then he continues and says, okay, this is what's going to happen when you go there. You will tell them that I have seen everything that's going on, and they will heed your voice. They will listen to you. And then he says, you will tell them, you will tell the Pharaoh 
that to let you go three days journey into the wilderness so that you may sacrifice to the Lord. But he says, but he will not let you go because he's stubborn. And he will not like it. He's not going to want to let go of all of his, slave, of all of his slaves. But he says, but in the end, he will let you go because I will show wonders and signs. And the Egyptians will even shower you with stuff as you leave. So then now Moses goes to his third objection. And he says, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. God has just told him, when you go there, they will listen to you. And he says, but what if they don't, God? What if they don't believe me? Really, behind his objection is this fear of rejection and failure. And I don't blame him. Well, I know what it's like to feel rejected. And I'm sure that all of us have been there in some small things and some big things. I remember being in elementary school and at recess, standing on the field with two captains, choosing the people that are going to be on their team. And I just remember praying, God, please, just don't let me be the last one. There's just something about being the last one that nobody wants to be because it feels really bad. But maybe you were one of the captains. So that is not something you can relate to. But all of us have felt rejection at different times, maybe through a job, in school, through dating and relationships, and sometimes even in marriage. There are some more serious ones. Well, Moses had experienced two, a double whammy, pretty much at the same time. Because he was rejected by the Egyptian, by the Egyptians since he killed an Egyptian. And then when he goes to the Israelites, because, hey, he was doing all of this for them, one of them says, uh, are you going to kill one of us too, just like you killed the Egyptian? And so now Moses becomes a fugitive. He, all he wanted to do was good and to make a difference. And he decided he was going to do that for God. But it didn't turn out so well, and he felt the sting of rejection. He knows what it's like, and he doesn't want to go through that again. I remember after I finally said, okay, God, I am going to do the seminary, I remember thinking, well, but what if, God, what if I do all of this? And Michael and I paid for my school ourselves. We didn't have anyone sponsor me. Well, what if when I finish all of this, I put, we put all of this money into this, what if nobody hires me? What if nobody wants me? Fear of rejection. But God responds and he says, okay, well, these are signs that I'm going to give you that you can show everyone. You will take this rod, throw it on the ground, it'll become a snake. Or you can take your hand, Put it in your cloak and take it out. It'll be leprous and then it will be restored again. And if they don't believe either one of those, well, then you can take the water from Nile River and it will turn into blood. Objection number four, because Moses is still not convinced. He says, oh, my Lord, 
but I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Literally, he's saying, I am of a heavy mouth. He says, I can't do it. I don't have the skills and the gifts to do this. And in order to be a leader, I have to be able to speak well. And again, I get what he's saying. I'm not also one of those that always thought that, okay, I could go anywhere and say anything and it would make sense. In fact, I have to think through things in order for them to make sense. I've never been one who can just, you know, say things in a way that sounds beautiful and sophisticated and intelligent at the same time. I always admired people who can do that. And so I get what he's saying, and he's probably, for a long time, not had much interaction with people. The ones who's been talking to is sheep, not people. But thankfully, this doesn't stop God either, because it is not about the skills and the gifts that we have that matters to God. What matters is what he can do. And so he says, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore, go. And I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. God says, I am the one who gives you everything that you need, who will give you everything that you need. And I will teach you as you keep going. And then Moses says, um, God, can you please, 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 please just send someone else? And at this point it says, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? And then he talks about the fact that Aaron is coming and he's going to be his spokesperson says, I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Why does God get angry? Well, this whole time, God was not angry. He was very patient with him because he knew that this was all about Moses' insecurities. He just didn't feel up to it. And that's okay, because when we don't feel up to it, when we can't do it, God can do it. It's even more important that we don't have that huge self-confidence because that's when we're humble, that's when God can do a lot more with us. But by this point, God has shown him and told him everything that he needed and that what he needed was him. And yet Moses is unwilling to take that step of faith. And at this point, that's what he's supposed to do. Trust in God and take that step in faith. But instead, he takes a step back and says, oh, no, no, just please send someone else. What I love about this story, about this conversation, is that throughout this whole thing, God never says, okay, well, you don't feel like you're anybody. Well, then I'm going to fix you. I'm just going to snap my fingers and you're fixed. Um, overnight, I'm going to give you this gift and this gift and this skill and this skill, and you're just going to be this 
like ready-made leader, amazing and perfect. God never says, you are going to be amazing. But we do that to ourselves. When someone comes up to me and says, oh, well, I can't, I can't do this. A lot of times I will say, oh, yes, you can. You, you, of course you can. You're going to do it and you're going to do great. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't say, I'm going to make you this awesome, incredible leader. You're going to be the best leader that has ever been in the world. That's not what he promises him. He says instead, in verse 12 in chapter 3, right at the beginning, God tells him, I will certainly be with you. Because what's important is not that God will make him this incredible, amazing leader. And God does. He keeps giving him the gifts. And Moses messes up along the way. At one point, Jethro has to come and tell him, No, Moses, you can't do it like this. His father-in-law says, You have to give responsibility to other people or you will burn out. So he had to learn along the way. But God didn't say, Okay, um, what you need is to be that incredible leader. He says, what you need is me. You need me. You need my presence. My presence is what will be your guarantee of success. It will not be perfect, but you will make a difference for me because I am with you, because you're walking with me. And by the way, notice that this passage does not say that Moses decided to go somewhere and then said, oh, wait, but I need God's presence. So let me just grab onto him and take him with me wherever I go. No, this was God saying, you go and you go this way. And then Moses said, okay, this is the way that I am going to go. God's presence is what you and I need. He is enough. There's a song, an old praise song that I really like. It's called Draw Me Close. And the words are, draw me close to you, never let me go. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire no one else will do because nothing else can take your place to feel the warmth of your embrace help me find the way bring me back to you you are all i want you are all i've ever needed and then it just repeats it the same thing over and over you are all i want you are all I've ever needed. Help me to know that you are near. If we are not going to let fears stop us from where God is calling us to do, then we need to trust this promise of God saying, I will be with you. I am the great I am. And you can trust in me. Just hold on to me and go. 
And I'm sure that right now it's scary, especially for the seniors who are going to have to step out. You have to go to a college, or university, and perhaps it's expensive. So for you to go to this university, you have to step out in faith. Or maybe you're going to go to that university, but there's no one else there that you know. That's also stepping out in faith. Or your career, you may choose something and will feel God nudging you towards something that is scary. But let me tell you that in my experience, there is nothing that brought me more happiness and joy than doing where God wanted me to go. He was showing me from the very beginning that this is what I need to do, but I just kept avoiding him and trying to do anything and everything I possibly could so that I wouldn't do what he wanted me to do. And I didn't even know I was doing that. But I never got down on my knees. And you could ask, okay, well, how do I know that this is where God is leading me? Well, we find out on our knees. We have to spend time on our knees praying, getting to know God. That's why the words of that song are so important. Draw me close. Draw me close, Lord. Make you be my desire so that there is nothing else and no one else that comes before you. And that fears do not stop me. Don't let those fears stop you and keep you from going where God wants you to go. Don't put that parking brake on. But trust in God. Trust God that He has the best for you. And will not be easy, and you don't have to be the greatest and the best out there that has ever lived. All that you need is to step out in faith and say, God, I'm here. I'm going to do this. And trust in the fact that his presence is with you. Because he is all that you need. Lord God, I want to pray for all of us, but especially for the senior class that's going out to college. This is their graduation weekend. And there are so many things that can stop us from really pursuing and going the way that you want us to go. And so I pray for each one of them, that you draw near to them, that they will feel your presence. Help them to know where to go, where to step out in faith, and not just stay comfortable. I pray that you help them to trust you. And I pray the same for all of us. Because no matter what age we are, we can still let fear stop us. Lord, help us to keep going to you, to keep learning from you letting you teach us, and to especially show us which way to go and what to do. And then help us to step out in faith and go and do it for you. Thank you for being with us. And I put us all into your hands right now. I pray this in your name. Amen.